It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caligero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you listen, whenever you're watching, I hope you do it okay. We've got a busy show scheduled for you today, but first, today's show is being brought to you in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by our next Billy C. Boxing event. It's going to be taking place at the end of August at the Sea Palms Resort in St. Simons Island you got to make your plans now because it is going to be a basically a, a, an invitation only, but it's going to be the biggest, best uh, Billy C. event that we've done to date. Uh, we're going to have uh, not one, not two, but three, actually four days of activities uh, that you guys are going to love, uh, all surrounding around boxing. We're going to have many uh, former world champions and, and celebrities uh, joining us, so uh, we got packages available. You got to get it through the show. So uh, drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com, and I'll hook you up. The exact dates will be announced when we get back from vacation next week. So uh, make sure you uh, stick around for that. And speaking of uh, vacation, don't forget we will not be doing live shows next week. But uh, today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of it right now while you're watching or listening to this show. Uh, just visit uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting uh, my man Tom Molino's story told. Um Coming up a little bit later on the show, we got Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard joining us. I got a whole bunch of stuff to talk to him about. And one of the things is the uh, uh, open scoring uh, email we got yesterday. We were discussing a little bit. That's right up uh, Larry's alley. Also, today's the day. That's right. Blast from the past. Alex Papali will be joining us later. And uh, we will be doing a blast from the past on one of my favorite all-time fighters, Tommy the Hitman Hearns. Uh, you don't want to miss that. Um, I got some emails to read. I got some news. Uh, hey, first I want to give a shout out uh, to uh, our newest affiliate, WSMN, WSMN 1590 in Nashua, New Hampshire. Uh, check out their website, www.wsmn1590.com. You can check us out there. 
Uh, make sure you email my man George. Tell him that uh, you love the show. And speaking of George, George, if you're listening, man, you got to come down to uh, St. Simon's uh, and bring your better half, who's from Georgia, and uh, we'll have some great time. Uh, he's a fellow Jet fan of mine, uh, like myself, I should say, uh, unfortunately, uh, for my man George. But we're going to have some fun uh, at the end of August, and uh, hopefully uh, we could get represented by uh, uh, WSMN. And also, while we're at it, uh, always a, a great uh, uh, radio station, WGIG out of Brunswick, right up the street from Sal's. Uh, we're glad that we're on uh, uh, those stations, including all of the other affiliates and, of course, our television networks. But anyway, um, did you hear the news, the latest news? The WBC, yeah, they're, they're, they're coming up with, a, with another belt. I, I mean, it's just what we need in boxing, another belt, right? Well, no, they're, they're, they're planning on having a special belt for Triple G and Canelo, the rematch. I, you know, I, I can't help but think, you know, first of all, didn't Canelo refuse to, to accept a belt from the WBC? I, I don't know. Uh, they said that they reported that they're going to present a special belt to the winner of the fight between Canelo and Triple G. Uh, it's a big boxing event. We're looking forward to a new edition of the uh, Aldolfo uh, Lopez Mateos belt. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens. That's what uh, uh, WBC uh, President Mauricio Suleiman has announced. Another belt. Is this basically like a participation trophy? Because that's what it sounds like to me. Joining me from St. Simons uh, is my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Sal, uh, we give out participation trophies to kids. Uh, the kids in, in college uh, kind of get a pass just from showing up. I mean, the whole world is becoming... Uh, uh, pretty crazy now boxing. Isn't this just another participation trophy? I mean, they're going to give the winner that. I mean, it's a unified uh, fight. All the belts are on the line. Why do we need to give another one? What's your thoughts? Unbelievable. I, I, I just don't understand it. What are they going to call it? The Super Duper Superman World Trophy? I, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine. You got all the existing belts on the line right now. And it's very hard for any one fighter in any single division to unify all of the belts. And now they want to come out with a belt for the belts. Maybe. I don't know. I it's, uh, it's beyond my comprehension, unfortunately, uh, because I really would love to see boxing go back to 15 rounds. I'd like to see boxing go back to same day weigh-ins. I'd like to see boxing go back to maybe one, two top three belts. That's it. That's it. That we can manage. These other belts, these interim belts, these other belts, hey, forget about it. It's too much to follow. Well, I think what the WBC is doing is literally giving this belt. I can't see them uh, charging a, a, a sanction if you. I think they're just giving the belt as an additional uh, trinket. Um, but well, yeah. you see, the problem with all the belts, obviously I say this all the time, uh, dilution and all of that. Uh, you know, because it, it still goes back to the value of the belt is good old-fashioned uh, uh, supply and demand. But here's the problem. Here's why these guys keep surviving, Sal. Yeah. And forget the top four or five. You know, all these other trinkets that are out there. It's the promoter's fault. You know, yeah. when they have a sanctioning body, hey, they, they knock on the door. Hey, uh, Mr. Promoter, I know you got this fight uh, between uh, – 
uh, Terrible Tim and Vinnie Gumbats, uh, and you know, uh, Terrible Tim, his record is you know uh, five and and three, and Vinnie Gumbats has got a, a really a stellar record of of, of six and two. Uh, so we want to make this fight for a title. We'll give you our I want to be belt uh, for nothing. Uh, you know, here you can promote. And the promoter says, okay, that's good. And he says, hey, this fight now is a championship fight for the I want to be you belt. You know, I mean, come on, man. That, that's <laughs> they, they should just say, no, what, what belt is that? That's no value. Promoters don't feel they can sell tickets to fights without having a belt on the line. That's the bottom line. Uh, network execs can't, they feel they can't sell advertising or sell a, a, a broadcast on a network if there's not a belt on the line. So really, they're banking on the stupidity of the fans to not know what value a belt has, you know, which value, what belts do have. I, I don't know. Follow the bouncing belts, Sal. Well, yeah, and you know, it's a shame because it's really the stupidity of the promoters and the the managers and the sanctioning bodies and the powers that may be because they're trying to put validity into these 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 belts and where it should have been like it always has been in the past hey here's a fight uh for for the contendership or here here's the elimination fight or here's two fighters going at it one's going on one's going backwards and one's going to have to re remake up or reinvent themselves yeah, i mean that's what the drama that's what was was initially uh, understood about when two fighters get in a ring. One's going forward, one's going to be stagnant. And one wins and one loses. Um, or if it's a draw, we could possibly get a rematch. There was other other there was other issues that there was a, a good fight being made that we could see on a Saturday afternoon on Wide World of Sports, CBS, or NBC uh, those days. And we were very interested in looking at those fights. Because you had the characters, you had the boxers, you had the names that brought value to that weight class, to that fight. And whether they were champions or whether they were defending champions or whether they were contenders vying for a championship. That's what happened. And we were attracted to that because we, we knew these fighters and we followed these fighters and we identified something with these fighters and these fights. The significance. Well, that's the problem. You know, they just feel that. Uh, you know, they can't sell a, a, a fight. The promoters are, they're lazy. They don't promote anymore. That's the problem. Well, That's well, a problem. Like I said, you know, Bill, and it's a shame because, you know, the old grassroots, I always say that, it, it does work. And, you know, you had, you had back then, yeah, I mean, you had, before even main events popped on the scene, you had basically Bob Arum and you had uh, Don King. And then main events came up, and they fl they flew uh, as high as everybody, and they 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 held on to a great great uh, outfit that uh, that had the credibility, had the fights, had everything about it. And you know what? Those were all hustlers and bustlers, whatever you want to look at. Bob Arum, Teddy Brenner, uh, 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 Bruce Trampler with with uh, top rank. You had Don King, uh, and and you had uh, King Productions. And you had main events with 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 Dan Duva, Lou Duva, Dino Duva, Kathy Duva. I mean, you had you had you had a whole organization that promoted that uh, that was behind. There was an there were, it was well orchestrated, and these guys made the machine work. 
and they did the promoter and pr- the promoting, and they made the fights happen. And that was it. That was it. And those days for- are gone. And don't forget Pete and Peter and Petey and Little Petey and Repeaty. I mean, all of well, those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, Repeaty did a lot too. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, the, the thing is. <laughs> he was is, close to rematch. Yeah, not to, not to you know, always talk about it because we always seem to, oh, oh, oh yeah, know. boxing was better back, yesterday. Yeah, back, back in the day, you know, all of that, all of that. You know, I mean, you know, we can't keep doing that. But the truth of the matter is. Is that you know? It, it, it's just it's not just boxing, all right. So so let's not just we're not bashing no. boxing. We're no, bashing. I love it. We're bashing the, the way the world has become. I, I mean, I was just looking at something in the chat room that a coach posted. Max Kellerman is now state. First of all, you remember the the Indians, He's right? For president, the the, uh, the the Cleveland Indians, the the baseball team, uh, is doing away with their mascot because they say it's a uh, uh, you know, offensive. Uh, yes, the, they want the the Washington Redskins to do away with their name because yeah, people say sure. it's offensive. I mean, this has been around for all this time, and and the only way it's offensive is uh, offensive is if you take if you look at it that way. Other people don't. Most people don't. Now Max Kellerman is saying the fighting Irish mascot was basically uh, an Irish guy dressed like a leprechaun. Uh, you know, uh, is offensive. You know, I mean, give me, give me Max a break. Max Kellerman uh, saying that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so are you kidding anyway, me? Anyway, it, it, listen, it's offensive to me that everything's so offensive to everybody else. We're a bunch of wimps. Everybody's a bunch of wimps. I swear to God. Pansy, let, pansy, let me move on. Let me move on. I, you know, the the there was a really good fight uh, announced uh, yesterday. And um, I, well, I don't know if it's a really good fight. It, it, it's trying to be billed as one, but on Showtime on March 9th, a former world champion Victor Postal uh, will fate, uh, face a uh, uh, top contender Regis Progress uh, in a uh, uh, in a fight that's going to be on uh, Showtime. It's for the vacant uh, WBC uh, Junior Welterweight uh, title. Um, when you look at these two guys. Uh, Regis Progress, uh, by the computer ranking, is ranked at number 23. His best fight to date, really, was his last one. I happen to have been ringside for. He blew away uh, Joel Diaz Jr., who was undefeated in that uh, fight uh, for an NABF uh, Jr. Uh, welterweight title uh, up at the Turning Stone. He, he stopped them in June of last year. Uh, but when he's and 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 when he's he's five foot eight, a southpaw, sixty seven inch reach, twenty and uh, oh, with seventeen knockouts. Um, now when he steps in the ring with Victor Postal, um, he's way younger. At twenty nine, uh, Victor Postal is thirty four, so you got a five year age difference there. But Victor Postal, former world uh, champion, he's ranked number four in the world by the computer. He's three inches taller, but get this, Sal, six and a half inch arm reach longer advantage. He's only been beaten once, and that was a uh, unanimous decision loss to Terrence Crawford uh, when Terrence Crawford unified a junior welterweight title. That is not any kind of a loss to worry about. This guy beat, uh, not only beat, but knocked out Lucas Matisse. Uh, He beat uh, contenders... uh, uh, Selkirk Iden, Hammer and Hank Lundy. Uh, he's had a, a, a pretty good career, 29-1 and one with 12 knockouts. I, I, I'm not so sure that, that progress is ready for this guy. I mean, 
he fought his last fight in September. It was a stay-busy fight after uh, his unanimous 12-round uh, decision loss to Terrence Crawford. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think that uh, uh, Regis Progress uh, is, you know, he's being billed uh, because he's the uh, uh, Lou DiBella's uh, fight. He's being billed as a finally getting his chance and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know. I think this is too much of a jump up in uh, talent level. What do you think? I don't know. I'm not overly impressed with Postal. Um, I think that uh, it could be, as we say, this guy a budding star, and maybe he'll uh, rise to the occasion. He's going to have to do something if he steps in the ring with Postal. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, he's going to uh, have to be at the next level. And we're going to see if all these fights have given him the experience that he can get the mindset and the frame and, and a fighting style that's going to uh, – Win and beat and counter uh, Victor Postal, and I hey, I, anything's possible. And uh, I, I, I personally, I think Postal's best days are probably behind him. I don't know. I, I, I wasn't. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good fight. His only it's a good fight. Listen, his only loss to Terence Crawford. I know. Um, I and, know. and they went but, the distance. It was a one-sided fight. Uh, yeah. But let me tell you something. Uh, Victor Postal's a, a, a good fighter. He's going to be too fight. much too much for progress. Progress hasn't – this is the problem. Progress hasn't progressed. And the reason is because they don't let him fight anybody. Yeah, Listen, this is the problem with the U.S. boxers today. They don't fight meaningful fights on the way up. Yes, they're talented. Yes, they display all that talent in the gym, etc. Their management and stuff wants to protect them. And it all falls into the, the, the smoke screen uh, that we call the business of boxing. And uh, what happens is a kid like this gets his opportunity. And is he really prepared? It's like going to a gunfight uh, with only two bullets in, in the gun. And I, I just, hey, listen, he may be five years younger, but he's given up a wealth of experience. He's given up a height and extremely uh, big reach advantage. And I, I just think, and by the way, Victor Postal uh, had a great amateur career. I, I just, I, I don't see this being a competitive fight. Victor Postal's going to go postal on Regis' progress. You're That's what I think. funny guy. When is this fight going to take place? On Showtime uh, on uh, March 9th. All right, well, we'll be ringside for that, Billy. Maybe we'll even do a post-fight if we want. I'm we'll not gonna be, you're going to be ringside? It's, at, it's in Deadwood, South Dakota. I would love to go there. Why don't we go? Absolutely. Well, either inside in front of uh, the screen or in front of uh, the, the, the ring. You call it. We'll do it. I'll be watching it. You'll probably be catching little drips and drabs of it the next day. You know how No, you no, no, no. I'm going to watch it that, because I'm very interested in seeing this because, you know, here's the thing. Yes, that was the old formula of success. Let's uh, let's feed a fighter. Let's get him up and let's uh, let's let him see if he could rise to the occasion. Let's put him in with a real real world fighter after we we got a record and he he's gotten some experience. But let's see what he could do. And you know, some of these fighters could do it. They they uh, get into a real fight for the first time and they rise to the occasion and it's like nothing else was ever expected from them. They do they do fine. Some fighters it's like wow what, what am I looking at? What am I over my head for now? You know it, it's it depends on the character, the individual, if he's mentally, emotionally, and physically ready to take on that next step. Well, uh, well, I, I don't know. Uh, I listen. Um, and it's not like he's 22. No, you know, it's not he's, like he's 22. He, he's, the guy's been he's, around a little he's bit. He's five, year, five, five years, years younger. Years but old. 
five years younger, but way less, way less uh, experience. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, way less could still be enough. We'll see. That's why it's going to be. A, it should be a good fight. Why don't like you look at? Why don't you look into postal? Enough. Why don't you look into postal? See his record. See who he's fought. Then reevaluate this fight. Okay, please. Oh, I'm um, going to. Yeah. But I and I know that Postal's had a a great career. But you know what? I, to say that his best days are ahead of him is hard because he's had a great long. Who career. said that? Who no, said? No, I'm just saying. What I'm saying is he might be at the time when it's going to be ripe for him to be taken. Okay, but but he, what, you're right about that about the age and stuff like that. You know, he hasn't been beat up. He hasn't been hurt. He's got the one loss against Terrence Crawford. But it's not going to be against the guy who has no experience fighting a, a world-class level fighter. I'm sorry. You can't jump from fighting cupcake after cupcake into a world-class fight and expect to be, uh, you know, a, a dominant unless that fighter that you're fighting isn't, isn't you know, is finished. Like you suggest, I, I listen... I don't, I don't think, think he's finished. I'm not saying his best days are in front of him, but I'm not saying he's finished either. I say no. he's going to walk away with a, with another title, uh, and we'll all have to see uh, on March 9th. Let's read we some. Will. Let's read some emails here. Um, the first one's from uh, my man Jesse. He says, "Hey Billy C and Sal, I saw the Dorticos uh, Murat fight. It was great. I had Dorticos winning uh, about two rounds." Ahead, I just saw that he was pressuring the fight and throwing and connecting consistently. Uh, Murat was backing up to the ropes and uh, planning, then uh, connecting with heavy shots. Dorticos was jabbing and throwing the straight right. He was standing straight up, eating a big shots from Gassiov, but still came forward. He should have dipped and moved his head and feet, especially in the last round. I don't think Murat would have gotten in a firefight with Dorticos because Dorticos has excellent speed and counter-punching abilities. Murat consoled uh, Dorticos in the post-fight press conference because Dorticos cried, uh, felt that he had failed the people who believed in him. But to me, he had nothing to be ashamed of. Those fights make uh, boxers great, and it makes boxing great. Um, I agree. I, I, I think, you know, it, it, it's the old question, how many hard, hard shots equal uh, little pitter pat jabs. I, you know, I didn't see him dominating uh, in this fight. I, I thought that, I thought the right guy won. He won whether he won all the rounds or not. It didn't matter because he took matters in his own hands. Sally knocked the guy out, right? Well, that's it. I had the fight pretty much dead even, and but early on, I'll tell you what, Dortijokos uh, had force have been forcing the fight, taking it to him, and. And, uh, you know, uh, Murat was uh, backing up to the ropes and, and uh, having to. Uh, but, you know, and each, each, it was a good fight, Bill. But, but each of those fighters, look back at the fight. I don't think it was till later round. Uh, and uh, for the first time, uh, there was no more than one or two punches being thrown at any one time. Maybe, maybe, maybe I saw a left, right hook or a left, right, left, but uh, they were not combination punches that were being exchanged. It was more or less one, two, one, two, one, two, maybe one, two, three, uh, until the end. And that's when he put them together. Well, you know, he also worked the body. Don't forget that he worked yes, the he body. Did. And he did. and and he even said in his post fight. That you know his his hard work and his game plan worked, and uh, I agree with him. Hey, listen, we're and gonna that take was good. 
We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we got a couple of more emails to read. We'll comment on it. Then we got Larry Hazard. Then we got the blast from the past, which is Tommy Hearns. Busy, busy show today. Don't go anywhere. So we'll be back in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Uh, don't go anywhere. we got a great show coming up. Uh, Larry Hazard's joining us here in a little bit. We're doing our blast from the past today on one of my favorite fighters, Tommy the Hitman Hearns. Um, Sal, I forgot to read the, re- the other part of Jesse's email. Uh, he says, hey, Billy, the Saturday ESPN broadcasted 741,000 viewers. Is that good? Yeah, it's good, but here's it's good and bad. The good part is it did 741,000 viewership. Uh, you know, people watch it. The bad news is they watched uh, they watched boring fights in a sense. They were showcase fights. You know, somebody emailed the other day saying, "Oh, it was great to learn about these guys." Ah, ah. If you're gonna put a fight on a a, a major network where you're gonna get that many views, you want to put on a fight that is gonna draw people back. You want people to say when they turn off that TV is, man, I can't wait for another fight like that. You know, not, oh, God, that, was, uh, that poor guy was, you know, sacrificial lamb. And what, what do you think, Sal? I think yes and no. I think, you know, for a casual fan, they may not really know, uh, um, you know, what a great, great fight might resemble or, or look like. And they were not as competitive, but, you know, it shows dominance and you're, you get to get uh, you get to know some of these fighters with their up close and personal exchanges there and being showcased and so it could be an early plant of a seed and and uh, and uh, will bring people back and that's the question what about the fights or the fight card is going to be the grip the the the, the hook to get people to come back that's what it is so if it's not the personalities or the the uh, the interviews or getting to know the fighters uh, and and identifying with them and liking them and following them, it's got to be something else. The excitement of a great com- competitive fight. Uh, and if that was not the case, then hopefully they walked away with something that's going to make fans want to come back to the tube and watch the fight again. What are you talking about? I I don't I don't get oh, it. I, know. I, I, I don't I don't understand saying, what you're saying. At least to showcase the people. No, nah, but who people. wants to watch? Hey, you want to tune in? You you want to wait till nine ten o'clock at night and tune into a fight that you're only you're seeing one or two fights a week? You want to tune in to get to know somebody? I, I mean, don't you want to see an entertaining fight? You want to see an entertaining fight like we did on uh, on uh, was it Showtime? No, ESPN. That's the fight I'm talking about. It wasn't yeah. ent- you thought that was entertaining. No, I I mean I I wanted to, I wanted to see the fights and uh, you know it was it was it was it wasn't a great there was no great fights there uh but you you know you had your the showcase of who was supposed to win and you know it was it was yeah, I want to see the guys fight again I but, like watching boxing I like to see you know where each uh, fighter is in their career and and how it develops and what goes on from there and so I, you know, I'll watch the fight. Well, my point is, is if they had the W, the World Boxing Super Series on ESPN and threw that fight, 
against Dorticos, uh, between Gassiov and Dorticos. Yes. Um, and, and that was in front of 741,000 people. I bet you uh, dollars to donuts that every one of them and then some would have tuned into the next broadcast. With them showing uh, Ramirez beating a snot out of somebody that had no business being in the ring with him, and he's not even fully developed. And then the no, other not. kid, Jerwin, you know, uh, beating up his opponent, knocking him out, uh, that shouldn't have belonged in the ring with him. I mean, all they say is the same thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. This is why I don't watch boxing anymore, because it's not competitive. It's not this. It's not that. I'm not staying up till 11 o'clock. And if you tried to DVR that because ESPN switches all their channels all the time, you didn't get to see it anyway, because it's after it switched from ESPN News, it went to another network and, and the technology is not there to switch back. It's smart enough to pick it up, but it's not smart enough to switch back. So, um, yeah, I, I love the fact I get what you're saying to a degree. I love the fact it's on ESPN and it's available for us to, to watch. And and don't get me wrong. It's always good to hear the story of the fighter before they come in and step into the ring. But if you're going to do a showcase fight, why are you going to showcase it on a network like that or on a cable network when we're wide away? But it, boxing is what, become... What else is available, Bill? I mean, it's the lesser of, 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 of any other option. I mean... You know, you're not going to see any major networks. It's got to be on a sports channel, and ESPN has been uh, the leader on on uh, uh, public network uh, sports to relate the news and relate the uh, sporting events. Yeah, no, so, that's I mean, true. You look true. at the you look at the players today, and that's what I'm talking about. You no, look at I, who's in the game, who's throwing their hat in the ring. Well, I just wish they would throw some punches in the ring. But uh, anyway, um, uh, the last part of his email is he says, Hey, Billy C., I heard Jacobs will probably face uh, Saluki. Is that a good fight? I think so, since other top guys are not stepping up or Hearn is not giving him a chance to top it. Um, and then he says Zerto needs to step up his op opposition. Clearly he needs to step up his opposition. Um, <clears throat> you know, the funny thing about Daniel Jacobs is this guy – He's beyond the Salukis. I'm sorry. He's beyond that. He's got to deal with HBO, and it's time for him to fight the major fights. Now, you know, the fight I'd be trying to make is Daniel Jacobs against Billy Joe Saunders. It requires somebody to open up the checkbook. Billy Joe Saunders is all, is all about the money, but that would be a good fight, you know, to watch Daniel Jacobs do exactly what we're talking about now. I'm criticizing uh, top rank. For, uh, for, for you know, putting their champions against uh, guys that don't stand a chance. Well, uh, let's call a spade a spade. Daniel Jacobs against Saluki, no disrespect to Saluki. Um, it's not going to be a competitive fight. Daniel Jacobs wins that fight, Sal. Well, yeah, and you're right. And, uh, you know, 99% sure that Daniel Dick Jacobs should win the fight. There are always those variables, and there's always a, a puncher's chance. There's always something that could happen. Uh, and a fighter could have an off night. But, uh uh, on paper, black and white, Daniel Jacobson should win easily. Um, and I know what you're saying. And if is it a step back or is it a showcase or, or does he need to, you know, he, he should be back up in the mix and he should be fighting top contenders and, and vying for a championship. And he should be fighting a, uh, a uh, fighter such as that. Uh, next email is from uh, my man Johnston. He says, hey, Billy C. and Sal, I just wrote an article on the demise of the journeymen as I feel they're starting to fade out here in Britain. We used to have loads of them, but now we only have a handful of good, decent journeymen that will uh, last the whole fight. And by the way, if you want to catch the article, it's up on BillyCBoxing.com. He says, uh, just wondered if you have noticed the same problem on your side of the pond. Our problem now is we're pulling 
uh, in the European fighters with padded records to fool a boxing fan. This isn't just a problem on televised events, but in small hall events as well. I think the journeyman is massively important for the development of prospects and for boxing as a whole. I think the younger generation that watch boxing don't understand the other side of boxing. What do you guys think? How important do you think they are? Um, they're extremely important, and that's why Britain is in the position they are because they have an, a, a, a really good collection of journeymen. And when you look at these guys, the uninformed or uneducated boxing fan will look at a record and say, 20 wins and 60 losses. That guy's a bum. Well, you know, if, if, if a young fighter is fighting that guy, you know, 20 wins and 60 losses is still 80 professional times he got into the ring. And that's experience that you're trying to give to your young fighter. And these journeyman-type fighters uh, are extremely important. The reason why we're losing them and the reason why Britain is losing them now is the same reason why we already lost them. Because of the inability of the promoters to promote, the fan base thinks that these fighters are not worthy and don't want to buy a ticket. So instead, you got to go find a guy with a good-looking record who is still uh, not dangerous for your young fighter. And instead of looking at the guys who those 60 losses are against, you look at a guy who you've never seen any of, and, and heard of any of those wins, but because he's got the O, he must be good. And that's what promoters and television networks do today. And that's why we have young fighters that finally get a chance at a world-class level fighter, and they get blown out. What's your thoughts, Sal? Well, you said it right there. It's so true on so many levels. Once in a while, you'll see the fighter rise to the occasion and, and uh, show show uh, that he could fight. But uh, nine times out of ten, what you just said is, is the pathway of where we've been with boxing. And and that's why, you know, I'd hate to do what you, you, you don't want to do. We always revert back to, you know, some of those other, other decades where it was a different game. But that's the benchmark. That's what we have to utilize as far as where we are looking at then versus now. And those are some of the things that we, you know, uh, some changes have not always been good for the sport of boxing because it is the sport that seldom needs change. I mean, it, it, look at the basics. You, you get two men that think they could beat each other. You put them in a ring and you, you promote it and you let them fight. And the best one goes on. The, the other one's got to make up and, and, and fight his way back. So the formula is basic. The whole thing is basic. But it's what, how everybody wants to put the, the subterfuge, put this in there and, and the, the obstacles. And it makes it, makes it more difficult. And uh, it should be you know, more black and white like it, it always has been. Well, we have one more uh, email. See, I was going to make a comment about that, a funny comment. I know. But I'm not going to because it might no. offend somebody. So, you know, you can't even do comedy anymore. But... Uh, um, I, you know, I have a really good email from my man Mitch. Well, it looks really. He always good. gives good. Uh, yeah, and and this one is well thought out, and and it's kind of long. Um, so if we don't get a chance to read this one a little bit later, um, I will uh, definitely read it tomorrow. So, uh, Mitch, if you're listening and and feeling you're getting slighted, don't worry about it. You're not going to get slighted. I wouldn't slight my man Mitch. We got to get Mitch down to our next event. Yes, um, we do. You know. Uh, uh, for sure. And and I tell you, for everybody uh, that, you know, has heard us talk about it and stuff like that, 
this year we're going to have a good one um, in uh, at the end of August. We'll, we'll solidify some dates for you, uh, hopefully by the time we get back from vacation next week. But um, you, you got to make the plans for this one. This is the one where you're going to have to call. You're going to not call, but drop me an email. Uh, everything has to be done through us. We are going to be uh, setting up. Uh, and, and you may not you know, want to. Uh, package deal you might want to just come that's fine but it's it there has to be a list it's going to be an invitation you know we have people just stopping in that we you know just uh, luckily uh, fall into our event well we want to know who's there because we're going to be doing some golf stuff you're going to be teamed up with some celebrities and champions etc etc so um, this is a a real good one and you you don't want to miss it bring the family uh, bring your friends whatever uh, but we need to know and you need to make your plans now. It's early in the year, but this is the best time to plan it out. The end of August is when we're going to do it. I'm looking forward to this, Sal. Well, me too. And and as you're saying, if we can come up with an itinerary, this is a time for a family to plan for a little vacation. Uh, not just a, a, a weekend, but, I mean, build your, your vacation uh, around what we're going to tell you and, and, and see if it could work in your schedule and come on down go see the beaches go see the the neighboring towns take a drive to savannah or jekyll island from st simons or, or venture out to fort frederica and go on the tour buses here and and see all the history that uh you know that i learned about uh from a different perspective than where i grew up in the northeast so hey, listen, you know there's a lot here hey listen frederica we gotta sure. go uh take right. a break so we'll talk to you later uh, Sal will be back a little bit later We're going to get uh, Larry Hazard Scheduled to be on the show uh, Here in a couple of minutes We'll be back in two Billy C will be right back Hey fight fans Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com KOFantasyBoxing is boxing's Only trademarked fantasy game Check it out www.KOFantasyBoxing.com Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. The one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. This, we want you to be there with Billy and me. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us uh, today. And speaking of being with us, joining me right now, Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Boxing Commissioner, Larry Hazard. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Billy. How are you doing today, my man? 
Very good. You know, uh, we had a delayed opening today. We expecting some snow, rain, rain, snow, mixed with rain, or whatever, or whatever the combination. Looking for a little inclement weather down this way. But uh, otherwise, everything's fine. You know, I saw the weather reports, and, uh, yeah, it's starting that way, but then it's going to turn to ice and rain. Unfortunately for us, it's going to head our way. Usually it goes out more towards the east into the water uh, and hit Boston. But I guess it's turning uh, north, and uh, we're supposed to get uh, 12 to 16 inches, no sign of rain or ice. So uh, I've about had it. I've about had it with that. But uh, all next week I'll be on vacation, so FYI, uh, we are. Uh, I'm taking uh, – uh, the grandkids uh, down for some fun in Florida, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. But hey, uh, Larry, the World Boxing Super Series, uh, the final uh, now is set between uh, Yusik and Gassiov, and the fight this past weekend between Gassiov and Dortikos was just another one of these great fights that the World Boxing Super Series has uh, has produced uh, since it started. Um, I really feel the United States has missed the boat on on broadcasting yeah, yeah. this, and and I really got to give Richard Schaefer some credit. Um, and, and the reason why is he's taken what 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 these promoters and television networks didn't see, Larry, and what you know we can see. I'm sure you you'll agree with me is that he took these guys, the cruiserweight division and the super middleweight divisions which are not too popular in the United States. And he was able to take the champions and put them in a tournament where you unify belts and stuff, and it made financial sense for these guys. And we had gotten an email earlier this week, and somebody was saying, well, what do you think they should do next? And, and you know, I said, well, I would love to see one in the heavyweight or middleweight or welterweight divisions. But the problem is those fighters – you know, wouldn't take the risk like these guys did, these cruiserweights. That's why we didn't see any American fighters. Could you imagine if they announced a welterweight tournament with Thurman and and Errol Spence and, you know, Kel Brook and Keith and uh, Sean Porter and maybe Danny Garcia and Terrence Crawford? I mean, yeah. that would be fantastic. But are yeah. these guys willing to do it? What's your thoughts? Well, you, you really... You're really hitting on a very critical uh, point there, uh, what Schaefer and those guys were able to do. And certainly the success of that tournament should serve as a model for the rest of boxing. Um, you know, we used to have sort of these mini tournaments in past decades, although they weren't called tournaments. But, you know, I, I remember... Think back to the series, the mini-series that took place with some of the top welterweights and, and middleweights and other weight classes in past decades. Sometimes it would only consist of five or six fighters, but it would be like a round robin. These guys would cross, you know, cross-mix. They would fight each other, and they made for some very exciting historic battles, uh, you know, to be frank about it, and uh, the whole concept should have and could have been expanded to it becomes like commonplace in the sport of boxing. But it seems like, you know, over the, over time, um, you know, the the, uh, 
the 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 wanting to to uh, compete, you know, the stimulation to compete seems to diminish in the sport instead of it, you know, getting getting better. And um, I think that we should look at what was done with that World Boxing Series. If if some of these promoters are really serious about you know keeping boxing at the forefront, um, it's a it's a great model for some of the other weight classes, even in the heavyweight uh, division. You know, I think that would be a great thing, and I think it would bring even more fans to to the sport of boxing, and some of the fans that have left would probably come back. It, the whole concept is having the best fight the best. You know, that's what the fans want. I mean, that's what fans have wanted in the sport of boxing for generations now, and that's not going to change. And the, so, you the, know, the, the best the best part of those tournaments, Larry, is that you don't know. It, it's it, it's exciting for the fan to wonder who the next two guys are going to fight. You know, it keeps yes. them hooked. It's like what boxing does today is it set it, it hooks the fish, the fan. Right. But then doesn't set the hook. Let's the, let the fan off the hook. What you need is stuff yep. like this where you set the hook and then reel them in. And the only way you're going to do that is if you continue with exciting matchups. The, uh, somebody right. mentions the, the Super 6, right? I love the Super 6. I thought it was great. But think about that. The way they set that up, it took two years to finish. And all the guys that started in it didn't finish in it. Mystery injuries happened. They realized the risk that was taking place, and they bailed. These guys that have signed up and have followed through with the World Boxing Super Series have done none of that. They've stuck with it, and there hasn't been one fight that wasn't highly entertaining. The saddest part of it was we had a, a, a sparring partner, one basic pro sparring partner from the U.S. out of both of these divisions participate. One U.S. fighter, and he was blown out in his first fight. You know, so I, to me, that speaks volumes, and it's kind of embarrassing being an American. Well, we certainly, um, we certainly no longer dominate in, in the sport that we once were very dominant you see the, the European fighters are basically beginning to dominate the uh, sport of boxing uh, in, all, in, in all, if not most, in most, if not all of the, the weight classes. And until we change the dynamic here in this country as to how uh, we go about promoting the fights and just an overall, the overall um, dynamics of, you know, fighters not wanting to fight uh, the best, not wanting to, you know, uh, compete in, in an environment that's highly competitive. You know, guys want to go in. Um, they just want an easy win. And it seems like, uh, you know, they're happy with that. And then they want to proclaim themselves to be the best ever, or, you know, pound for pound the best, when they really haven't fought anybody. So until that dynamic changes, you know, we're going to continue on a downward slope uh, now in the sport of boxing. Yeah, no, I I, I hear you. You know, and, and then it, you take like an event like we were talking about earlier today. You take an event like um, this past weekend on ESPN, and they have seven hundred forty over, over 740,000 viewers 
for the uh, for the ESPN fights that were on this past week, and they show blowout fights. So so I mean they weren't competitive. So you say to yourself, okay, here you have this market. Here you have these you know, 740,000 plus sets of eyes on it. And if you would have put a, a, at least one of the two fights on there that were extremely competitive and exciting, the next time you do it, all of those people are going to come back and then some. But when you put these one-sided beatdowns on, people say to themselves, oh, that's right. That's why I stopped watching boxing. And now you got to start that whole process over again. I uh, to me, it's a laziness to a degree by the promoter. What do you think? Well, yeah, yeah, it's the the, the promoter, and you know, uh, you know, everybody's to blame. You know, see, we've allowed boxing to no longer become um, the barber shop, you know, or the uh, street corner pool rooms or wherever. We don't talk about boxing. Is not the subject that's talked about anymore in in these. Um, neighborhood social institutions i mean you know and that tells you right there what's happened to the sport no longer you know we don't, nobody comes away from you take this past weekend nobody comes away and goes back to work on monday talking about what a great fight we saw uh last weekend oh they come back talking about the super bowl of course but they nobody comes back to work the following week talking about the great fights that they saw the the previous weekend you know and see that's not common that used to be commonplace you know in our uh society here as it relates to boxing that no longer exists boxing you know no longer uh is is the centerpiece of conversations when you're talking about sports anymore uh, Average fans don't know who the champions are. You know, there could be a major fight, what we consider to be a major fight coming up next week, and half the people don't even know about it, don't even know who's fighting. You know, never before has that been the case with our beloved sport. Boxing has always been, you know, the one of the most, if not the most, talked about sport uh, there is in this country. And that's because you had the fighters... Not and and the fighters themselves weren't uh, necessarily the greatest fighters, but they were good fighters, fighters who were exciting, and people wanted to see. The fans wanted to see, and also if a fight was coming on on a weekend, fans knew that it was going to be a competitive fight and it would be worth watching. That's not the case today. You know, well, that's well, not the case. Well, you and know, until that changes, you know, you you know, you're going to see uh, the interest in our sport diminish more and more. You know, until that changes. Well, you're 100 percent right, and that that's my point. You know, if the Gassiov, first of all, after Anthony Joshua fought um, uh, Klitschko, everybody Klitschko, was talking yes. about it. You know, and everybody and, and, was I, and, and I got news for you, Larry. If the Gassiov Dartikos fight or any of the World Boxing Super Series fights would have been on U.S. television, they'd be talking about that too because those yes. are the memorable fights. What happens is when they put on a stinker or they put on a blowout, a showcase, if you will, 
where you know the 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 one corner has no chance unless uh, the other corner slips and falls and knocks himself out. You know, I, I mean that turns people off. You know what they want is competitiveness, and and just like the, you mentioned, and it was a great analogy about the Super Bowl. You know, everybody's talking about the Super Bowl because it was an exciting game, regardless of which yeah. side you wanted. It was exciting. Plus, you know, the Super Bowl has become like an American holiday. Um, but but what could compete with that is when you put on these fights that are entertaining. You know, this is this is the issue. This is why. And I don't mean to go back to him, but I always seem to. Why I blame Floyd Mayweather a lot for for what's happened in the sport. Not for his success, because I applaud that. But his style has basically, if you think about the reign, the length of time that he's been fighting the way and making the money and you know promoting the fact that he makes the money and, and fights easy opposition, uh, or he makes it seem like he's fighting tough opposition. The fan base has accepted that. So they don't really know what an exciting fight is. They don't know what Gene Fulmer against Benny Kid Perrette was like. You know, I watched that fight again recently, and I always used to think Tommy Hearns and Marvin Hagler were the best three rounds in boxing until I rewatched Gene Fulmer against Benny Kid Perrette. That was 10 rounds of that. You know, I, I mean, Ooh. you know, those are the kinds of fights that make lifelong boxing fans. And although we're, we're very conscious today of, of long-term damage that fighters sustain uh, from beatings like that, at least we have things in effect. You know, talking about the Gene Fulmer, Benny Kid Perrette fight, Larry, you know, one of our discussions about that fight after we broadcast it was that, you know, if that fight were to happen today, because as, as you know, Benny Kid Perrette's next fight was against uh, Emil Griffith, and That's you know, sub happened. subsequently, yeah, he died yeah. after that fight. Everybody yeah. blamed Emil Griffith, but the truth of the matter is, is he died in that ring yeah. against Gene Fulmer. And Gene Fulmer, yeah. by the way, never won again. He fought three times, and his career was over. He lost his title, and then had a couple of rematches and and lost. You know, so you know, if that fight were taking place today, and you as a commissioner in that decision seat, even though. Uh, you saw, you know, obviously uh, Benny Kid Perrette would have been suspended. He wouldn't have been allowed to fight two and a half weeks later like he did or three weeks later. He would have been suspended. And I know for a fact you would have suspended Gene Fulmer too because of the beatings that they both took. So maybe Absolutely. we've improved the, the rules enough in the sport where a life could have been saved. So at least we're heading in the right direction. But to not even have the fight ruins it for the fan. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely correct, and 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 I couldn't have said it better. Okay, um, be, you, you know we can constantly improve on the uh, quote unquote safety aspects of boxing because I often laugh when we talk. We use the term boxing safety. It's like the greatest oxymoron I ever heard, and a sport that's innately dangerous. There's nothing safe about boxing, but we try to limit the amount of unnecessary um, damage, safety, okay? But you're absolutely correct in what you're saying is that, that that still doesn't take away from the the ferociousness and the competitiveness of the, of the sport because, I mean, um, the fighters go in and they know what they're putting on the line and, and they, like football players and everybody else in these highly uh, contact-type sports, you know, they, they feel that the risk benefits are worth it. And no no problem. 
the fans love it. Certainly the fans don't like to see uh, any athlete get seriously injured to the point where they might, you know, be, be killed or anything of that nature. But that does not and should not um, take away from our efforts of uh, putting on the best level, uh, the best fights um, uh, that, that, that can be made. And it seems like, see, we, over time, and in, in getting back to Floyd Mayweather, Floyd, Floyd really did a great job in conditioning. See, most fans that really, uh, in this modern era, don't really know that much about um, the sport. They have no frame of reference with the uh, young, you know, with the young fan base. They have, they don't have the frame of reference that a Billy C or a Larry Hazard or uh, some of the other guys, uh, you know, that take part in our discussions have on the sport of boxing. So, you know, many of these fans, they don't know about the great fights between Hagler, the great fight between Hagler and Hearns, or, or the wars between uh, Hearns and Leonard and the Durans and the Priors and Aguilios. They don't have that as a frame of reference. So it's easier, Billy, to condition them, a la Floyd Mayweather, to I'm the best ever. And, and they say, well, yes, he hasn't lost. You know what I mean? He's undefeated. He is the greatest. You see, and so this is what happens. And, you know, until that dynamic changes, until there's a greater appreciation for what these fighters did in the past, you know, uh, the, the, the situation may not ever change, you know, because, you know, today's fans have not really seen greatness. They've never really seen greatness, you know, in today's fighters. So, you know, we're up against a lot in trying to change that dynamic. No, you're you're right, and we were doing a we were talking about that yesterday. I mean, uh, you know, not to redo yesterday's show, but we were saying how stupid we've become as a society, and and I was joking about it, saying, you know, uh, you know, you, you got somebody in there, uh, they're in a restaurant, let's say, and uh, uh, you know, Google, how much should I tip this guy? You know, uh, Google, how do I get home? You know, uh, uh, Siri, yeah. I gotta go get the mail. How do you mail a letter? You know, I, I mean, you know. Yeah. I, that's what yeah. we've become, you know. I, I mean, nobody yep. thinks for themselves anymore, you know. You get into a discussion with somebody, you know, so-and-so hit this many home runs. Oh, really? Let's Google it. Oh, yep, you're wrong. He hit one less than that. You know, I, I mean, it's like, geez, right. you know. You know, and right. the, it, it, the interaction is gone, you know. And, and look at ourselves, you know. Most of us like to get stuff from Amazon. It's convenient. It's this. It's that. But guess what? That old-fashioned yeah. interaction with the store clerk. Or, or the, the you're looking for a suit and the, and, and the, the, the ladies in there, hey, you know, I'm looking for this. Oh, come right. to this rack. You know, I mean, you don't get right. that anymore. There's nobody there. And the people that do work don't know anything about what they're selling. They're hitting buttons. And most people are trying to avoid the interaction. So that's what society has become. But uh, yes. listen, I, I got a question, and, I, and I'm already out of time. You know, we don't have enough time. Every time we start talking, it, it goes on and on. But this question was... Uh, right up your alley, and I probably should have started with it uh, now that I'm out of time, but I got an email the other day, and um, one of our listeners referenced an article that was written 
about boxing and and you know uh, you know the same old articles boxing's hurt hurting and this is the way they save it and one of the points they said was that they think that uh, the scoring system has to be changed and i think that there's some discussion about that not so much the system but maybe the people who are taking score i still believe that the technology has advanced enough that maybe we take them out of ringside and put them in a room whatever but what this person said was that he felt, this author felt that the scorecards should be public after each round. And he feels that people should be able to see that. And, and his point was boxing's the only one that the, the final tallies of the scores are kept secret till the end. And, you know, my first thought was this guy doesn't know the sport because, um, you know, it's easy to say that. But my thought was that you know, it's great for the guy that's losing to look up at the screen and say, oh, my God, I'm down eight rounds to one. This is the last round. I got to knock this guy out. But what about the guy that's winning that might get coax? You know, hey, look, I don't have to fight now. And then something silly happening. You know, what's your thoughts on the possibility of putting the scoring up on a screen so that the, the not only the fighters and the trainers, but all the fans could see it? What, what, how, how do you think that would work? Well, first off, you know, that's that's the same argument that uh, the WBC has based on on this uh, open scoring concept, which I'm never going to agree to, okay? Um, you know, we're always looking for the, the, the quickest and easiest fixes. First off, you're taking away now um, uh, uh, what I call a, 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 a longstanding mystery aspect of our sport. That's part of the excitement of boxing, waiting for that decision, not knowing really who won. That's all a part of the sport, okay? And it's a part of the sport that I don't want to see leave. Um, you got trainers in the corner, okay? It's up to the trainer to let a fighter know that he's losing. You don't have to, you don't have to tell a fighter that he's getting his ass beat. He knows, okay? And um, as far as, as putting the score up after each round... Now, you know, you have to deal with the situation where the judges may be intimidated by fans if they look up and feel that the score should be another way. You've got so many variables involved in that. The problem with, I keep saying this, the problem with scoring, in my view, and you can't get judges to be more liberal with the 10, we, we use a 10-point must system, but judges constantly restrict themselves to three points. You very rarely see a round scored um, 10-5, 10-4, 10-3, or whatever. You very rarely. It's always 10-9, 10-8, or in a rare cases 10-7 with knockdowns. We have to uh, begin to change that whole concept with the judges where they have to be more liberal with the points, at least give that a try, and let's see if that if that will help. Because that is one thing that really, really sticks out in my view with with the present scoring system. Judges are not utilizing the points properly, and I'm I really believe that if we change that one simple dynamic, you're going to see an improvement in scoring. Now, I also would like to point this out: if you do an analysis of, let's say, 100 fights, 
over a period, certain period of time, you will come away with maybe surprisingly seeing that in most, if not all of those fights, 70, 80 percent or even 90 percent of those fights are scored properly. I mean, the, the winner, the person that really should have won, you should have won, usually gets the decision. The focus in scoring usually comes when you get a triple G against a Canelo in that last fight. That's where you get the hue and cry about scoring. Oh, you know, the judges are corrupt and all that. But in most fights, judges do get it right. But I still believe that judges should be more liberal with using the points. I really believe that. This open scoring, putting the scoring up, it's going to, in my view, it's not going to improve on the scoring system. It's not going to change the way that the judges view the fights, okay? And in my view, it's going to do more harm than good because now you're going to have a situation where judges are going to feel intimidated in some cases. And in other cases, you know, they're going to continue to just score the fights that they do right in, in, in the present day. So that's my view on it. I, I agree with you. It's almost like the referees in football now. They, they're afraid to make a call. They go right to the review. Um, I, I, I think that you make a great point. Uh, about the uh, the scoring because like you and I have talked about on this show, you, know, you got a guy, you got fighter A beating a snot out of fighter B uh, for for two minutes and and you know uh, right. two two minutes and and fifty seconds of a round, and then all of a sudden fighter B lands a, a, a shot that puts him on his butt as a flash right. knockdown. And that and becomes a, that, that becomes a two point swing. It, it, most judges yep. will score that ten eight yep. when realistically, yep. uh, you you give him a point for the knockdown, but he would have lost. It, 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 it's kind of a nine nine round, you know. So that's um, right. I don't know. I agree with you, Larry. Uh, great uh, topics as usual. Uh, remember, we're not going to be here next week, but we'll be back the week after. All right. Okay, Billy. All right, brother. You have a good one. Hey. Be you safe. Have a vacation. Be safe in that snow, my man. Okay, Billy. Okay. All right. All right. You have a good one. Take care. Safe travel. Thank safe you. Safe travel. Thank you. That's uh, my man, uh, Larry Hazard. Uh, and uh, nobody does it better uh, than Larry. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, blast from the past. Tommy the Hitman Hearns coming up in about two. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Well, it's that time again. Uh, we're doing our Blast from the Past, which is being uh, uh, sponsored by KOFantasyBoxing.com. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. 
and the Title Bout Championship computer game. Download your copy right now. Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and uh, download uh, your copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game, the same game that my man Alex Papali uses uh, in this very segment. And speaking of this very segment, uh, today's Blast from the Past features one of my all-time favorite fighters, uh, a uh, multi-division world champion, and a boxing Hall of Famer, Tommy the Hitman Hearns. And joining me right now to tell us all about the Hitman is my main man, who kind of moonlights as a Hitman on the side, uh, is uh, my friend uh, Alex Papali. What's up, Gun? What's up, Two Gun? <laughs> Good morning, Billy C. How you doing? That was one man? of the things I uh, that I needed when I bought my uh, Cadillac was. Uh, I said I I need a trunk that's big enough to fit a soprano. That's right. Well, well, you need you need one. To, you you need to be able to fit at least two or three bodies in there, like side by side. You know, uh, and they they make for this kind of weather. They're perfect for adding extra weight in the back of the car. That's right. No fish tailing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tommy the Hitman Hearns. I'm so glad we got this uh, as a request. Um, love Tommy Hearns. Uh, tell us about the man from uh, the Motor City. Yeah, he is just one of the all-time greats. If I could just take one moment um, to just recap something from last week that I didn't do, uh, but I was able to do now. Uh, Mark Jones uh, updated the title bout game and put in uh, Rocky, Rockin' Rodney Moore, who was the king of the Blue Horizon. So we didn't do it because we did a place last time. I wasn't sure who to, who to um, or I was going to run uh, Rodney Moore, but uh, he wasn't in the game, but uh, he is now. And uh, so I put him in against, because he was the king of the blue horizon, I figured, well, how did he do um, against today's uh, top guys at Junior Welter and Welter? And when I, unfortunately, as as entertaining a fighter as he was, um, you know, in real life, he did fight. He uh, had, he lost to Trinidad. He had a lot of, he had a pretty storied career, a lot of TV fights, but against Terrence Crawford, unfortunately, he didn't win a fight. He lost 99 and drawed once and was stopped 90 times by Terrence Crawford, uh, who of course, you know, is one of the best fighters on earth right now. And then against Keith Thurman, he did better. Uh, he won 22 and then lost 75 and drew three. And I was able to stop uh, one time, 12 times. Interesting. 90 times TC beat him, huh? Knocked him 99. out. 99. Yeah. Huh? Only one draw. Wow. Well, I don't know if we've ever seen one that one-sided. I know it. I know it. I, except, well, I think I did run, um, last week I ran Mike Tyson versus Butterbean. Oh. <laughs> and I really don't mean to, to diss Rodney Moore because that is not at all a, a similar comparison. But, <laughs> no. you know, for the game, that's the result. But remember, Butterbean did go 10 rounds with Larry Holmes. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Tommy Hearns, tell us about uh, this guy. So so Tommy, the hitman Hearns, yeah, one of um, uh, the greatest of the modern era and um, an all-around badass Uh his nickname was the Hitman, as well as the one I like a little better was the Motor City Cobra, because I'm just a big Snake fan. Um, but also, uh, the way um, there's something uh, about the way uh, Tommy Hearns uh, punches—they uh, just look like these long. I mean, he's got such long arms; they look like long serpent strikes, you know. So I bought that uh, that uh, nickname really. I liked a lot, and actually. Uh, Tommy himself didn't care for the Hitman um, moniker because of what it sort of suggested 
about um, Detroit. Uh, Hearns was a really good kid, unlike so many boxers that you hear about, um, you know, getting into some mischief, maybe some criminal activity when they were young. They're really, I, I don't see anything like that from Tommy Hearns. He was a good kid. He uh, was born um, November 25th, 1977. I'm sorry, uh, October 18th, 1958. And he was born in Memphis, Tennessee. When he was six, his uh, parents moved to Detroit. And um, he didn't, um, it wasn't like street fighting that um, got him into uh, fighting. He, he watched it on TV. Uh, and one of the things he said is there was there were no winners around me in Detroit, but I saw them on TV. And he saw he saw Ali, and uh, he wanted to emulate Ali. And um, he began boxing at nine, and of course that was where the partnership with the great Emmanuel Stewart of the Cronk Gym began. And um, he did. He went on to become the tight one of the titans of the '80s, uh, one of the pillars, the four pillars of. Duran, Leonard, and Hagler, and Hearns that were, you know, such uh, made boxing a household name uh, during the 80s and brought in million-dollar purses and big pay-per-views, uh, made Caesar's Palace, you know, the place to be in terms of boxing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he, him and Leonard, they developed a tremendous rivalry. They never met as amateurs, but I guess a lot of times they were at tournaments together, but they sort of passed each other. That's why when they finally did meet as pros, it was a really big deal. Um, so so did, did he start working with Manny Stewart when he first got into the amateurs at nine years old? That would have been like 1967? From from what I found, yeah, um, I what didn't find another um, a, a coach like before. Huh. Uh, it's it's so amazing when you think of the success that Manuel Stewart had um, with the Kronk Gym early on. You know, for all those those champions that were in the Kronk Gym, and then after that, that was really his last time where he he took fighters from the amateur level and brought them all the way up to world champion status. Because then he became like the hired gun, people remember him, uh, you know, most, most, most with Klitschko, you know, what he, he turned around Klitschko's career. But, uh, you know, just getting back uh, one comment well, about. I think, um, just uh, didn't Michael Moore, didn't he sort of adopt him at one point? I remember, I think he was living, Michael Moore was living like in a downstairs apartment. Uh, with the stewards, uh, because he, that's how much he was an integral part of the development of fighters that he, you know, took under his wing. Yeah, several of them I recall lived with him. Um, but Michael Morrow wasn't one of them, though. I, Michael Moore is not. He, I've met him personally several times. He's not the nicest guy, but uh, no. he's like a vander. But anyway, the the one thing I just want to get back to real quick with Tommy Hearns and the the hitman, that in my opinion was the best Ring Magazine cover that they ever put out when they had him and Sugar Ray Leonard dressed like, uh, you know, like the 30s gangsters with the Tommy yeah, guns yeah. and stuff. Yeah, back to back. Yeah, I thought that that was, uh, that was cool. But amateur career for Tommy Hearns, 158 wins, eight losses. Pretty impressive. Yeah, and he had gone on a, a knockout streak. I think his first 17 fights were all KOs. Um, when, when Emmanuel Stewart met him, he said... You know, you're going to be the welterweight champ, you're going to be the middleweight champ, and you're going to be the light heavyweight champ. And, of course, uh, Hearns went on to do all those things. Um, he uh, he had always had really good balance, and I think that may have been one of the things that sort of helped 
uh, helped why his power went up with him. And, um, you know, of course, he, would, he was... Uh, it's funny because when he fought Pepino Cuevas, uh, I mean, he was virtually untouched in that fight. And, of course, that is one of the all-time great uh, knockouts. It looks like... Um, the right hand he hits Cuevas with and knocks him out. It looks like Cuevas is struck with a bolt of lightning. Um, a whole shock wave goes through his body, and then he hits him again. Uh, it's amazing. And then if you think about it, Hearns' next fight, he beats uh, Duran. And not just beat him, he destroys him. Um, so it was one of those things where... Uh, I'm sorry, those were... Uh, the, the Duran fight was before the... Um, Hagler fight. My uh, my apologies. The Pepino Cuevas fight uh, was the big destruction victory that he had before Ray Leonard, and it did make a lot of people. The thing that's interesting is that, I mean, now people probably think of Sugar Ray Leonard as the one to compare to Sugar Ray Robinson, in part because of the names, uh, but also uh, at that time uh, it was more. Tommy Hearns, people were making those comparisons, especially after the Cuevas fight. And if you think about it, Hearns was the one uh, who was more built like Sugar Ray Robinson, because Sugar Ray Robinson was a taller fighter uh, with long, long reach. You know, Hearns, of course, 6'1". Ray Leonard is more squat and more that mesomorph body, whereas Hearns is the ectomorph. Um, yeah, uh, it's interesting just to think that because when you do read some of the uh, uh, articles early in his career, uh, they are making comparisons to Sugar Ray Robinson. And by the time, you know, I got into boxing, um, they weren't doing that with Hearns because, you know, he had been defeated uh, in, in some of the big fights. You know, um, Tommy Hearns, first of all, did anyone have a meaner stare than Tommy Hearns? I, 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 know, I, I think of that look, and it's it's kind of scary just looking at it. But the, the thing about Tommy Hearns, the worst thing about him was his legs. He had those chicken legs, and, and that was his downfall, you know, uh, of his five losses. He, he was stopped four times. Um, but when you, look at, when you look at his record, when you look at his resume, and you look at the early years, when he first turned pro in 1977, he fought a pro debuter. And you sprinkle in a, a, a guy like in his uh, third pro fight, only had three fights, etc. But that's really it. Those two guys are the only two guys that had three fights or less uh, in his first, and, and those were in his first three fights. When you look at that first couple of years of his career and look at the experience level that this guy fought, it makes you realize why he was so prepared because when you look at the second part of his fight of his career and you start looking at the names on his resume and I know we always say this but you know the wins against like uh, Espada and the the Cuevas fight like you mentioned um, you know yes he lost to, to Sugar Ray Leonard but uh, Benitez and and Roberto Duran and you know, his war with uh, with Marvin Hagler and then James Shula was a big fight and Mark Medell and Doug DeWitt and Dennis Andres and Roldan and, uh, you know, his nemesis Barkley and James Kitchen and and uh, Adjale and Virgil Hill. I mean, <laughs> you just you just don't see it anymore. And quite frankly, he would have been in the Hall of Fame sooner if he didn't decide he was I think it was a few months away from from being eligible for the Hall of Fame. 
after his uh, loss to uh, Grant in 2000. But then he had that uh, short little comeback where he won uh, uh, two fights in a row that he was fighting uh, uh, at home in Michigan. And uh, it, it prolonged his uh, induction into the Hall of Fame. But uh, what a career he had when you take the minute to really look at the names on his record. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. And I, you know, and I do think that um, um, I th- I'm pretty sure the subject of that, uh, it's been a while since I read it. And for some reason, it's really slipping my mind. But the Springs Toledo book, uh, Gods of War. I'm pretty sure the whole chap the whole chapter on Hearns makes the argument that he is the greater um, fighter than Ray Leonard, um, and I t- do think that even though he did come up short against him in the there, well, the second one, a lot of people, even Ray Leonard, I think to this day says, you know, that that draw should have gone to Hearns. Um, but the first one, that was a razor thin fight. Uh, Hearns was battering uh, Leonard. Um, up to the point where, you know, Leonard took over and then, um, you know, there's the, he, he turns it around, you know, there's the, the great corner work, of course, with Angelo Dundee, you're blowing it, son, you're blowing it. Um, and that fight was just tremendous. Uh, and by all means, I mean, I would say that if you're, um, that's a modern classic and I would say it's probably one of the top 10 greatest fights, uh, at least of the modern, modern era. Um, because it was two unbeaten gunslingers um, meeting at the time, which um, was pretty awesome. Uh, you know, you don't you don't see that a lot. And they were both um, incredibly talented, um, uh, incredibly talented fighters. I'm sorry, Ray Leonard, I do believe, had the. We lost you here to for be sure. ashamed of. That's I'm sorry. For sure. I'm sorry. And repeat. You're right. The uh, Alex, how, Alex, how, Alex. How, Alex, you got to repeat that because we lost you there for a second. Um, you you finished what you were saying about he did, you said course, Ray Leonard. Um, you were talking about Ray Leonard, the fight with Ray Leonard. Yeah, the fight with Ray Leonard. Of course, you know he battered Ray Leonard pretty badly, and that was the fight where um, that most of the damage that did end up happening to uh, to uh, Ray Leonard's eye was done in that fight, and of course he needed eye surgery afterwards. Did you agree with the stoppage? There's always been, over the years, there's always been uh, discussion about uh, that stoppage, uh, that he was waved off too soon. I mean, he clearly was in trouble, but because of the fact that he was dominating up to that point, should he have been, uh, you know, given a, a, another another chance to, 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 you know, finish the fight on his feet? You know, I've always watched it... Um you know, knowing the history. So for me, it's very, it's very different. I think when you watch a fight live, when you're watching it happen, uh, compared to when you watch it in retrospect. Um, so to me, it was always an okay stoppage. It wasn't like, you know, the Melvin Taylor, Julio Cesar Chavez, which even that at the time I was appalled, but I understand now why that stoppage happened. It's just that it was a heartbreaker. Uh, I, I think Hearns was in a lot of trouble. Um, but I do think that, um, you know, one of the, oh, I did want to mention that one of the things about his stare down, of course, the stare down in front of the Hagler-Hearns fight was just an amazing fight, uh, amazing stare down. And um, Mike Katz, who you know is one of my favorite uh, writers, uh, said about Hearns's eyes, he said he has gentle, almost soulful eyes until you get him in the ring. 
It's true. That stare down was was epic. I mean, it was uh, one of the best. There's so much to talk about with Tommy Hearns. Uh, you you mentioned the, the Sugar Ray Leonard fight, and and most people agree, including Sugar Ray Leonard, who whispered in his ear that night, "You won this fight." Well, when they had the rematch finally, but let's jump because we're running out of time. Let's jump to the the really. No disrespect to to Hearns Leonard, but in my opinion. The most famous fight of Tommy Hearns' career, and up until I watched Gene Fulmer fight Benny Kid Perrett, I thought that the Marvin Hagler-Tommy Hearns fight was the best three rounds of live boxing I ever witnessed in my lifetime. Uh, and, I, and I guess that's still the case because I, I watched, uh, uh, you know, Fulmer-Perrett uh, not live, obviously. So um, it was an extremely uh, great fight. Um, you know, it was the first time I, 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 I think it was the only time that Hagler got cut. I mean, he was, he was bleeding pretty bad and, um, you know, the fight was epic, uh, but uh, go, tell us about the fight. Yeah. I mean, the fight was just amazing. I mean, I, my tattoo, uh, of marvelous, marvelous Marvin Hagler is, uh, a moment after the first round of that fight, which I think is the f- greatest, uh, single round ever fought. Um, at least that we have video of. I mean, you know, Burt Sugar, the late Burt Sugar, used to argue that um, Dempsey Furpo, of course, was better. But I don't know. There's no video of that. That was one-sided, um, though. Well, that was not, really. One-sided. not really. Yeah, that's not really. Not really. I mean, that, that first round of Hagler-Hearns, I remember watching that and just going, oh, my God. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like literally batting down the hatches, hide the women and children because – Every single punch is thrown with bad intentions, and um, it's it's literally a fight where a street fight breaks out at the bell. And of course, part of the drama now that we realize is that that might have been what had to happen. Um, Goody Petronelli, I remember uh, in a lot of the the pre Leonard fight stuff, I remember him talking about how there was something in Hagler that just snapped, and that's why he went at. Hearns like that, but I think what we know now about um, from from Emmanuel Stewart, who revere, revealed late years later, I think it what probably wasn't revealed until the uh, the uh, publicly until the legendary Knights HBO documentary that Le- uh, Hearns had had a deep tissue massage on his legs just a few hours before the fight. And when Emmanuel Stewart found out about that, he was just aghast. He was like, why did you do that? You're going to need your legs. That kind of a massage, it's almost like a workout for your legs. You're going to be sore. So Tommy had no legs. So he had to fight uh, toe-to-toe. And that's exactly what happens. Hagler, you know, was like, bring it on. Um, The first round is amazing. One of the very first punches uh, Hearns lands is that monstrous right hand. It actually rocks Hagler, but unfortunately, it also the bones shatter. So here's Tommy Hearns now in there against a, a monster, a terror, uh, and he's got um, his main weapon is uh, useless. So it, um, yeah, it's just amazing. It's uh, it's a breathtaking um, fight to watch. And uh, one of the things that Joyce Carol Oates always talks about in, in, in the sort of the drama, the tableau that, of what you witness was there is this amazing moment. And it's kind of unfortunate because there was a bit of humiliation to it that Hearns didn't deserve. But there's a moment at the end where Hearns is literally picked up and cradled and carried to his corner by one of his handlers in this sort of 
boxing version of the Pieta. And he didn't really deserve to to look like that, I think, because, um, you know, he had already been broken and battered. But um, it just it's amazing. And it's why our sport is when our sport is great. It beats all the other sports, as Max Kellerman used to say. You know, the thing that, you know, you mentioned about the leg massage, but it was deeper than that. And, you know, I, I joke about it, but it's so true today. At the end of the a fight, uh, you'll hear the fighter say, you know, uh, I don't want to make any excuses, but, and then all of a sudden, you know, I hurt my shoulder, I hurt my hand, I, I, I had an ingrown toenail, I didn't eat last night, I, you know, I couldn't make weight, you know, uh, I don't want to make an excuse, but, and then all the excuses. The thing that amazed me about this fight, and just like you said, Tommy Hearns broke his hand on Hagler's head, which uh, ultimately I think was, was what caused that cut. Um, he never said anything about the broken hand. It was years later that you find out that he shattered his hand. He let, as a true professional should, he let Marvin Hagler soak in the, in the limelight and get all the credit that he deserved for winning that fight. And that's what a great champion does. Hagler was better than him that night. Unfortunately, we never saw a rematch because of the, the Hagler-Leonard fight, and that was the end of uh, Hagler. But um, I, I, I've always appreciated that from Tommy Hearns, Alex. Oh, yeah. That's, um, you know, that's the thing about him. is, And maybe that just goes along with him being a good kid, you know, uh, growing up. Uh, he always kept his nose clean, you know, he, um, it might've been why he fought longer than everybody else. He had that, uh, healthy living, uh, but it was also a mindset, you know, that's why he did take it personally, feel ashamed with that, that hitman imagery that, what did that say about, um, the city of De Detroit, you know, uh, the place that he loved. So yeah, he was a good guy. And I think that, um, uh, and that that you never see that nowadays of being humble and being um, not taking away from a victory uh, from your opponent. And uh, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, and I and I don't think I don't know. I mean, in a way, it's I guess people because nowadays fighters suffer because uh, people, you know, want that from them. Uh, and I think maybe sometimes it's. Uh, it's it's more to expect, uh, but what, when you do see it, it you should um, of course appreciate it. Alex, how did he do in uh, title bout championship computer game? Uh, of course, he smoked everybody of today. Um, it's not even funny. Uh, I put him in in the weight divisions that uh, Manny Stewart thought of him: uh, welterweight, middleweight. And light heavyweight against Keith Thurman, he laid waste to Keith Thurman, won 90 victories, um, lost 10 times, which that's a little striking to me. Um, and he stopped one time, 73 times. Against Triple G, he dominated Golovkin, 97 victories for the Motor City Cobra, only three defeats. He knocked out the Kazakh 96 times. And against the now retired but number one guy at light heavyweight, Andre, the son of God, Ward, um, Thomas Hearns made him his son 98 times, lost only once, they drew once, and every single time he won, Hearns knocked Andre Ward out, 98 KOs. You know, the thing I loved about Tommy Hearns was he had that knockout pop. I mean, he would just crush you. And um, he could box, as he showed in, in the in the Leonard fight. 
he was just so well versed and uh I, I loved him he was one of my favorite fighters and uh uh i uh I, I wish we would get more tommy hearns unfortunately the sport has changed uh so much where to produce a guy like that is uh is very difficult but uh i tell you one of my all-time favorite fights uh and if people haven't seen it they should check it out on youtube is um Hearns Roldan. Uh, it's a great fight. Tom, great that's fight. A, it's a great fight. Uh, they both hurt each other. Uh, it's an action fight. Uh, there's the great moment when Hearns knocks him out at the end. Hearns sort of rolls up to put his hands up. And just, I, I've always loved that. Uh, and then he like goes, pumps his fist. Uh, it's just a great fight. Um, yeah, and, and it's one of my favorites. Yeah, no, hey, there's so many. I mean... Tommy Hearns is the kind of fighter that if you really didn't get a chance to watch him while he was active, go back and watch. A, a lot of his fights are available. But uh, Tommy Hearns, our blast from the past this week. Great job as usual. Alex, Tommy Hearns. Now, these are the major belts. He did pick up some other belts, but he was a former a world welterweight, junior middleweight, middleweight, super middleweight, light heavyweight world champion. He was inducted into the uh, International Boxing Hall of Fame in 2012. He would have been inducted sooner, uh, but after his loss against uh, Uriah Grant in the year 2000, five years later, he came back and uh, fought John Long in uh, July of 2005. And several months after that, in February of 2006, he fought his last fight against Shannon Landberg. Uh, both of those fights were uh, uh, knockout victories. He finally hung him up and uh, had a career record, 61 wins, 48 coming by knockout, five losses in which he was stopped four times. He had one draw, and that was the, the rematch against Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, 379 rounds of his 67 uh, total fights with a 72% knockout ratio. Uh, Tommy the Hitman Hearns, uh, one of my favorite all-time uh, fighters and uh, clearly uh, an all-time great, uh, I think so, Alex. And uh, uh, sometimes he gets lost in the shuffle when you're talking about, uh, you know, the great names, and it's a shame. But uh, a great job as usual. We got next week off, brother. But uh, we'll be back the following week, and we'll be announcing our next uh, uh, Billy C's Magic Boxing Machine, or whatever we call it. A lot, <laughs> I got a lot of requests. I mean, we got we got at least six uh, matchups all in the tank there. So, uh, oh, awesome! Looking okay. forward. I, I to can't that. wait for um, Foreman Tyson and Holmes Foreman. Those are my two the two ones I can't wait to do. Yeah, well, you know, uh, we better slip them in because we got all kinds of other ones uh, in okay. there. But yeah, <laughs> all right, my man, you have a good one, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right, Billy C, take care. That's Alex Papali. You can catch him on Wednesdays. Listen, we're going to take a short break, and I'm scheduled to get Alex. Uh, Alex, no, I'm sorry. Sal, Rocky, Santa Cola, Black. I'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face?
Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an Excellence in Broadcasting Award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. By morning. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where? Back, you're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, speaking of being with us, uh, my man Sal Rocky Senecola is with us. And Sal, um, I want to get your thoughts, man. I mean, I, Alex and I could have talked for two or three hours about Tommy Hearns. So could what, I. What do you? What do you best? What do you? Could you shut up for a minute? I'm trying to ask you a question. Can what's the best thing that you remember about Tommy Hearns, and why did you love him so much? Tommy was a very, very humble man. Uh, he never really touted his own horn because he didn't have to. It's what we say, Bill. He brought his guns to the fight, and everybody else had to speak and amplified what Tommy Hearns was about. He was a very quiet, humble guy, as I said. And even the one fight that was a draw against Sugar Ray Leonard, Tommy accepted the draw. We're like, hey, man, we fought a good fight. He won that fight. He didn't even know, but he won that fight. He could have been a different attitude. What are you talking about, a draw? I won that fight. No, Tommy Hearns was a gentleman. Hey, I'm glad to get the draw. That's the attitude. Uh, you know, there's so much about Tommy Hearns. Uh, his exchange, which I, I didn't know about it, the, the whole thing with, with Hagler, why he uh, chose to uh, uh, stand toe-to-toe instead of move and box a little bit, but... You know, it did give us one of the three great rounds. And, you know, I can't help but comment. I'm going to say this. I know you and I always refer or reflect back into that era, that generation of fighters, which I'm proud to be a part of. But when you look at the record of what Tommy Hearns would have done against this class of champions and fighters today, come on. I mean, it says something, doesn't it? There's no question. And, and I mean, that's and, why we go back. Exactly. You know, we, we were witnessing, you didn't know it, and you often say that we were witnessing some of the best boxing in our lifetime. Well, what I, we were gonna see. I, I've always said that when people ask, if, if somebody came up to me a, a, during these times, you know, uh, during, during 1985, uh, when Hagler and Hearns were, were getting ready to fight in the war, I mean, uh, when you, when, when, you know, I, if somebody came and said, hey, Bill, you know, uh, what do you think? You think this is the last great era of boxing? I would have laughed at them. i go, what? These guys? Uh, forget that about it. These guys the are nothing. I would have said, oh, what about the 60s? What about the 50s? What about exactly. the 40s? You know, now, you know, you fast forward 30 years and there's nothing been comparable. You know, and uh, and the fighters of today, this is why, I, and, and I mean this, Sal. And I don't mean this in a negative way. I know uh, sometimes uh, I, I get out there, but but here's the thing. That's why the fans today don't know the sport of boxing. Because, and Larry Hazard made a good point. You know, these kids today haven't taken the time to go back 
excuse me, and watch these kinds of fights and learn about what we're talking about. If they did and then, uh, you know, objectively looked and compared, they would see why we get so upset with a statement like I'm the best ever from Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather was was the best of his generation. You can make that argument. Floyd Mayweather is a is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm not going to argue with that. I'll vote for him. You know, but the truth of the matter is, is he's clearly not the best ever. And and uh, you know, this era alone would have wiped him up. And if you go further beyond that, there's guys that would have wiped this era up. So uh, you know. I'm sorry, but it's just not the case, you know. And just because he says so, doesn't mean. Uh, but no. uh, it's a shame that they that they don't understand that. But uh, they don't understand a lot. Siri, who is the best ever? You know, <laughs> like yesterday. Well, I but, am. Don't you know that <laughs> Siri's the best ever? They had the, they had uh, the, well, the, the, the commercial. Siri lost her voice, you know. But uh, yeah. Anyway, but listen, tomorrow, hey. what were you gonna say? I was going to say this, you know, what you just said, the history of boxing. You know, when my father, when I first started uh, expressing I wanted to fight the Golden Gloves and, 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 and go into this and fight that, and I, he went out of his way. My father was, was, was an incredible man. He went out of his way, and he, however he did so, procured for me endless, endless little 8-millimeter, super 8-millimeter uh, reels of film on Sugar Ray Robinson, Henry Armstrong, Rocky Graziano, Marciano, Jake LaMotta. Uh, he got me uh, ancient Archie He gave me, all, I mean, a whole bag. I mean, a bag of endless reels of fights. And we had a projector, and we would watch these fights. So my benchmark was established, as you said, the generations. These were great fighters. I didn't think there was another fighter alive better than Henry Armstrong. And I, I looked at his style. He was incredible. And to see the multi-divisional champion that he was, uh, it like I said, it set the benchmark high. And then we look at fast forward to the 80s. The benchmark was on par. It said high. And then when we look at today, like you were suggesting, the, the casual fan or some of the young fans today – they don't have much of a benchmark to refer back to to see how the history of fighters and boxing uh, was uh, on a level that really today can't compare to. And truthfully, and I got to go, but truthfully, they don't do it with any of the sports. So no, it's they just, don't. it's, the, they don't. And, and, and you know what the saddest part is? You had to watch through old nine millimeter films, similar to myself, yeah. or or thank God I had some friends that that had a collection that put them on VHS and we watched them on it. Today, the beauty of it today for these young young fight fans out there or any sports fan is you have all the fights at your fingertips. Just take the time and watch them. That's all. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Let these fight. Yeah, let these fight fans go Google. Henry Armstrong. And Google. Let him watch one of his wars. Who's Henry Armstrong? Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, listen. Don't forget. Nor Siri. Don't forget. Don't Google talks too now. Don't <laughs> you forget. Know, you put butter um, by eye. <laughs> don't <laughs> forget. I got a great email. I'm going to read Bingo. tomorrow uh, from Mitch. So uh, you guys make sure you tune in tomorrow. Uh, we got another busy show schedule. I think Dax is going to come on with his thoughts on the uh, World Boxing Super Series. Um, programming note: We will not be here all next week. Uh, finally, I'm I'm gonna go on a little vacation, and uh, Sal needs a break too. 
and uh, we will uh, be back better than ever the following week. Uh, but we will be here tomorrow and Friday. But on this day, February 7th in 1961, Harold Johnson knocks out Jesse Boundary in the ninth round to win the vacant uh, World Light Heavyweight title. And that took place in Philadelphia. On this day in 1929, Spider Pladner knocks out Johnny Hill in the sixth round to win the California and British World Flyweight titles in Paris. And yes, they had world titles uh, via states back in those days. And finally, on this day, February 7th, uh, in a pretty strange uh, fight uh, in 1997, Lennox Lewis knocks out Oliver McCall in the fifth round to regain the vacant WBC World Heavyweight title. It took place in Vegas. This was the one where um, Oliver McCall turned around and was crying and Lennox Lewis was punching this guy in the face, three, four solid shots. And that's when I said, geez, Oliver McCall has a solid chin because all he was doing was crying. He was taking those punches like he wasn't hitting back or nothing. He was taking those punches like they were flies. And we all know Lennox Lewis packed a punch. So uh, strange, uh, strange happenings on this day in 1997. Hey, listen, man, make sure you guys uh, tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.